Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and if you follow me on social media, you probably know that I had a simple surgery done last Monday. Everything went great, and my recovery was much easier than I thought it would be, but I did allow myself time to rest and enjoy some time with the kids during their spring break. Because of this, I wasn't able to record a new episode, so I checked with the Patreon family and the subscriber family and have chosen a previously locked subscriber episode to share with everyone else this week. So, this is the case of Debony Escobar. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Nuevo León, Mexico. Most of the coverage of this case was done in Spanish, so please keep that in mind when listening to quotes. The translation into English isn't always the same, but the message is. Me and my incredible contributing writer and researcher, Haley Gray, did our absolute best to translate so we could discuss this as accurately as possible, and it's a case that needs one hell of a lot of attention. As always, small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Friday, April 8th, 2022 was supposed to be a fun night out for 18-year-old Debony Escobar. She was a law student at the University of Nuevo León in Monterey, but the weekend was starting and she was ready to relax and let loose and have a couple of drinks with her girlfriends, Yvonne and Sarai. The legal drinking age in Mexico is 18. Debony had been hanging out with Sarai for about four months or so, but this was going to be the first time that she met Yvonne. Yvonne was one of Sarai's friends. At around 10 p.m., Debony, Yvonne, and Sarai were all ready to head out. They went to at least four locations throughout the night, including two parties. During the first of the parties, the girls met up with some guys. It's unclear if they knew them beforehand or if they had just met for the first time at the party. But what we do know is that these guys tagged along with the girls to their final party destination at Quinta El Diamante, which is a neighborhood bar in the Nueva Castilla neighborhood. And looking at the map, it looks like that's exactly what it is, a bar in the middle of a neighborhood. When the group arrived at 1.20 a.m., Debony greeted three other guys that were already there. Two and a half hours later, at 3.50 a.m., Debony and her girlfriends decided it was time to go home. According to Yvonne and Sarai, when they got to the door, someone offered to give Debony a ride back to their house, but her friends said no, that that's not happening. Instead, they texted someone they felt more comfortable with. 
a 47-year-old guy named Juan Cuellar, who worked for the driving app Didi, which is like Uber. Juan wasn't on the clock at that point, but the girls knew him because he'd driven them around before. Once Juan showed up, Devaney got into his car while Yvonne and Sarai took a separate car. Just before 4.30 a.m., Juan dropped Debony off on the side of Highway 85, also known as the Highway of Death, which connects Monterey, the capital of Nuevo León, to the border city of Nuevo Laredo. Hundreds of people have disappeared, been kidnapped, and or killed in towns along that highway or off of the highway itself. I actually have family in Nuevo León, and the stories that they have told me are enough to put extra locks on your doors. After Ebony got out of the car, Juan took a picture of her. Of course, I'll post the picture in Debony's highlight on Instagram, but for now, I'm going to try and describe it. Debony is standing in the median of the highway wearing a white tank top, a brown flowing skirt that's blowing in the wind, high top converse, and a black face mask, the kind that you'd wear during COVID. The photo is both eerie and also somewhat peaceful at the same time. I know that's an odd combination, but I think you'll understand what I mean when you see it. Juan sent the picture to Yvonne and Sarai as proof that he had dropped Debony off near the Nueva Castillo Motel and then drove away. For reference, that motel was less than a half a mile from the bar. It would have only been about a two minute car ride. Later that morning, Saturday, April 9th, Debony's parents, Mario and Dolores, noticed that their daughter hadn't come home. In a panic, they reached out to Yvonne and Sarai to see if they knew where she was, but neither of them had seen her. The last they knew, Juan had dropped her off on the side of the Highway of Death. Mario and Dolores went to the highway to see if they could find their daughter, but she was nowhere to be found. It was then that they officially reported her missing. In an effort to bring in more tips, they also logged on to Debony's Instagram account and posted the picture that Juan had taken of her on the side of the highway. That photo went absolutely viral and Debony's disappearance became instant international news. Because of that coverage, several news outlets started doing some digging and discovered an epidemic of missing and murdered people in Mexico that was something a lot of people outside the country weren't completely aware of. As of early 2022, the number of people registered as disappeared in Mexico was around 99,000, with 98% of those disappearances happening between 2006 and 2021. Just for comparison, in the United States, where we have almost twice the population, our NamUs database comes in at under 23,000 registered unsolved disappearances. A lot of the disappearances in Mexico can be blamed on drug cartels. Since 2006, Nuevo León has been the site of a war between two cartels. Vice reported that it's one of the most violent places in Mexico, saying it's a constant battleground for drug cartels fighting for control of the border for smuggling drugs into the U.S. Like I mentioned earlier, I have family in Nuevo León, and they simply do not go outside after dark, ever. Most of the disappearances in Mexico involved men between the ages of 15 and 14. 
However, the United Nations reported that there's been a notable increase in the disappearances of boys and girls as young as 12 years old, as well as adolescents and women. Basically, the rules are changing and it's becoming so frequent that old statistics are being diluted into a more terrifyingly broad spectrum. Vice reports that with the increase, seven women go missing every single day in Mexico, with 70% of those disappearances occurring in four locations, including Nueva León. In the month prior to Debony's disappearance, 19 other women went missing in Nueva León alone. In the same week she went missing, two other young Nueva León women were reported missing and another was found dead. The UN reports that some of the disappearances are for the purpose of trafficking and sexual exploitation. However, other people disappear in an effort to send a message. Those people include journalists and human rights defenders who fought against the current issues in Mexico and helped search for missing women. The Nueva León's Feminist Assembly told Vice, they believe one of the main reasons there are so many female disappearances is, and I quote, impunity. Authorities are not enforcing the protocols of missing persons, the search protocols are not being activated on time, and all of this is helping criminals to keep disappearing women. The assembly added, women in Nueva León are afraid of being the next victim. The younger generation is growing up with that fear every day. And they're not wrong about the lack of enforcement. The UN reported that as of November 2021, only a very small percentage of cases of disappearances, between 2 and 6%, had resulted in prosecutions, and there had been only 36 convictions handed down in those cases at the national level. We're not talking about women who are running away or who get caught up in the wrong crowd. We're talking about women who go missing, who are disappeared. And when it comes time to holding someone accountable for it, only 2 to 6% of them are prosecuted, and even then, only 36 convictions had been made. An organization called United Forces for Our Disappeared in Nueva León told CBS that the problem is not just that authorities are slow to investigate and do it poorly, but that they also tend to blame the victims saying the first thing is that they don't carry out digilant investigations or searches, and the second thing are the statistics issued by authorities, in some cases linking them to illegal activities. Authorities try to downplay the disappearances as much as possible, finding anyone to blame but themselves. After Debony went missing, Nueva León state prosecutor Gustavo Guerrero released a statement that is about to make you rage. He said, in part, the main reason for the disappearances of women is because of a lack of communication with their families, because of disputes with them, because of the rebellion of young people. The range of age of most of the women who disappear is from 14 to 25, but it's not due to a crime, but rather a voluntary situation. And if he wants to get shitty, let's point out that his statistics are just about disappearances. CBS reported that around 10 women are murdered every day in Mexico. By the time of Debony's disappearance in April of 2022, 56 women had been killed in Nueva León that year alone, 42 of which were categorized as femicides, the killing of women simply because of their gender. In addition to all of those issues, the UN reports that there are more than 52,000 unidentified deceased people lying in mass graves, forensic service facilities, universities, and more. The situation is so bad in Sonora, which borders Nueva León, 
that state prosecutors there announced that they're sending mobile labs into three cities. Their goal is to collect mass DNA samples from relatives of the missing to help identify bodies found there. It goes without saying that many, many people are fed up with what's going on in Mexico, and those people often channel their anxiety, frustration, and anger into protests and demonstrations. One of those fed up people was Debony. The Independent reported that a few weeks prior to her disappearance, Debony joined thousands of women protesting against gender violence in Mexico. Mario told the media that Debony went because she always wanted to help people. Because of all the media attention on Debony's case, authorities did open an investigation almost immediately, something that, as we can see, rarely happens. On April 10th, the day after she was reported missing, authorities issued a press release stating that 18-year-old law student Debony Escobar was missing. The same day, her father Mario went to the prosecutor's office to ask about the status of the searches, and after the meeting, he told the media that he did have a lot of trust in the authorities. However, that trust was short-lived. With everyone now aware of Debony's disappearance, her parents did everything they could to stay in the public eye, hoping to keep people focused on their daughter. They put up flyers, searched fields, prodding the dirt for signs of a buried body, and the list goes on. But there was no sign of Debony anywhere. On April 11th, Nueva León's governor, Samuel Garcia, created a special support group of 200 officers who would use drones and dogs to search for Debony and other missing people in the state. Debony's disappearance was finally giving attention to the other missing men and women who would seem to have been forgotten by the government, but never forgotten by their families. On April 12th, the search party for Debony met at the Nueva Castillo Motel, which is right off the Highway of Death where Debony was dropped off by Juan. It wound up being the meeting place for all future searches for her. But let's talk about what this motel looks like. I'm going to try my best to describe the layout, but of course, as always, I'll post photos of it in Debony's highlight. The Nueva Castillo Motel is actually a complex made up of multiple buildings with an entrance off the highway. When you turn into the property, you're met with a circular building, which is actually an abandoned restaurant. To the left of that are three underground water tanks. They go 12 feet below the ground and have heavy metal lids on the top. Once you get past the abandoned restaurant and the water tanks, you're met with four long diagonal buildings, two on the left and two on the right, each of those buildings having several motel rooms in them. I understand that a lot of people might listen to this and think that this is a horrible area and wonder why she was even there, but this is a very normal part of town. Within just a couple of minutes of walking, there are big houses with manicured lawns and backyard pools. Not that any of that matters because she disappeared and it's not her fault. During the searches for Debony, the motel complex was scoured for any signs of her, but they didn't find any. Authorities asked the motel for security footage. However, they were told that there wasn't any video because their cameras were set up to view a live feed and not to save any video. The same day the searches began, Juan, the driver who left Debony on the side of the highway, was arrested on unrelated drug charges. While in custody, he was questioned about Debony's disappearance, and the details on exactly what he told authorities are pretty scarce, but we do know that Juan said he got a call from a mutual friend to pick her up from a house party in the early morning hours of April 9th. 
On the ride home, Debony asked to be dropped off on the side of the road, and according to Juan, he did as he was told and took a photograph of her to prove that she was still alive when he left her. Authorities came to the conclusion that Juan wasn't involved in Debony's disappearance and he was released from custody. It should be noted that El Universal reported that neighbors of his had made complaints to police that Juan had a history of harassment and the attempted kidnapping of women. Debony's father told Radio Formula that there were a lot of inconsistencies in everyone's stories. He said, we don't know why Juan dropped her off out of his car. We want to know how it's possible that someone is going to a party with friends and just like that, they leave you alone. Something is not making any sense. On April 16th, Mario and the investigators on Debony's case had reviewed around 15 videos from security cameras installed near the location Juan dropped her off at. According to Mario, the prosecutor's office showed him videos of Juan touching eight-year-old Debony's breasts without her consent. He believes that's what made her got out of the car in the middle of a vulnerable area. He said Debony was pissed because she was being sexually assaulted. After Juan dropped her off, Debony walked along the highway. At 4.29 a.m., she crossed the road and looked at the surveillance post near the building of a transportation company for businesses in the area to ship and receive their goods. At first, it was reported that she entered the building and that there was no footage of her leaving, leading people to believe that whatever happened to her happened in that building. However, it was later reported that there was no footage of her entering nor exiting that building at all. For a long time, the video of her looking at the surveillance post was the last known footage of Debony. On April 19th, investigators searched Debony's condo, but they couldn't find anything worth noting. They also searched the transportation building, but naturally didn't find anything there either. The same day of the condo and building search, Governor Garcia announced that he'd be increasing funding and resources to help combat gender violence. He said, we are working very hard to address the causes of this problem, and I will be very clear. To the rapists and those who commit femicide and all those who hurt the women of Nuevo León, know that we will find them and punish them to the fullest extent of the law. Within just one day of that announcement, El Universal reported that investigators had recovered nearly 40 videos that could help them find Debony. However, only 15 to 20 of them had been reviewed. As you can imagine, that was beyond frustrating to her family. Mario told the media, you have to finish analyzing them quickly. Analyze them now to find out where Debony is. Because the more time passes, the more critical hours, minutes, seconds, the more difficult for us as a family, knowing that she may not be in good conditions, that she has not eaten, or that she may suffer from a situation. Again, please note that translations are not always exact. Bottom line, he is extremely worried for his daughter. On the night of April 21st, employees of the Nueva Castilla Motel reported a horrible smell coming from the set of those three abandoned water tanks at the front of the property. Officers arrived and searched all three, and in one of those water tanks, they found Debony's body. She was severely decomposed, still clothed, and lying in about three feet of water. In another tank, they found her handbag, bra, and face mask, and in a third, they found her cell phone and keys. It's worth noting that reports state that she was still clothed when she was found, but her bra was found in a separate tank. But let's continue. 
With the discovery of her body, law enforcement took over control of the motel and Debony's parents were called to the scene. They had to identify their only child and did so by the crucifix she was still wearing. On top of their immeasurable and soul-shattering heartbreak, they were beyond frustrated since that motel was the focal point of her searches and had already been searched four times. Her body had either been there all along and the searches were just complete shit, or someone had moved her there. Considering the fact that she was so badly decomposed and there were people watching the motel like a hawk, logic leans on the side of subpar searching, which no one seems to disagree with. Nueva Leon's top security official would later admit that the search had been a massive human failure, and two prosecutors were dismissed due to errors and omissions in Debony's case. An autopsy concluded that Debony's cause of death was a deep contusion to her skull. It was estimated that she had been dead for between 5 and 14 days. Due to decomposition, it was hard to narrow it down any further than that. Even though there was no water in her lungs, they said they believed she was alive when she entered the tanks, which makes absolutely no sense unless they think she was able to keep her head above water until she ultimately died of her head wound. On April 22nd, authorities announced that Debony's death was an accident. And I just, I, I fucking can at this point. I have cats with better investigative skills than this. But let's hear what kind of gibberish bullshit they say to back up the blank space where their brains should be. Their theory was that after Juan left Debony on the side of the highway, the highway of death, mind you, she crossed the street and walked into the motel complex where she wandered around for a time. They think she eventually made her way to the area where the three water tanks were located, and somehow she accidentally fell into one of them, hit her head, and died of the skull contusion and not drowning. President Andres Obrador told citizens they shouldn't worry because this kind of thing happens everywhere. The fuck it does, man. The fuck it does. They were really out there acting like they're going to change things, that they're truly going to investigate Debony's disappearance and fight against gender violence, and then act like her death was an accident after missing her body during four searches. The tanks had lids on them. If they believed any of that hot garbage, they'd also have to believe that she took her keys and phone out of her purse and threw them into one tank, then took off her bra and threw that into another tank along with her purse and face mask, then out of nowhere, fell into the third tank, hit her head, and died. It's gonna be a no from me. Following the announcement that Debony's death was an accident, her parents spoke with the media calling the government's version of events a lie, which is the nicest way they possibly could have put it. Mario questioned if Debony's body had been put there after previous searches were done, telling the media, I publicly accuse Juan for all of this. Mario and Dolores demanded justice for their daughter. Mario said, For believing in the prosecutor's office, I apologize to my family. It was many days and the prosecutor's office did not do its job correctly. My daughter is dead and I don't know what to do. I'm angry at myself for trusting the authorities of Nueva Leon. I made a mistake. 
Later that night, women marched in the streets of Nueva León to demand justice for Debony and all the other missing and murdered women of Mexico. Before the night was over, the prosecutor's office changed their tune, saying, No line of investigation is ruled out. We will put all the resources in our hands to determine the events that have happened, and if these indicate a crime, they will be prosecuted with the full force of the law. On April 23rd, Debony was laid to rest. Mario later explained to Radio Formula that the family decided to bury Debony so quickly because her body was already in very bad shape. Two days later, on April 25th, El Paez reported that the Nueva Castilla Motel magically recovered footage of Debony from the early morning hours of April 9th, you know, from the cameras that were only for live viewing and not being recorded. At 4.35 a.m., just six minutes after Debony was seen near the transportation building, video footage shows her running as she enters the motel compound, rounding the abandoned restaurant. It's unclear if she's running from someone since no one else is seen in the limited footage available. One minute later, you can see her looking out at the restaurant. The next footage doesn't come until 21 minutes later at 4.56 a.m., at that point, Debony can be seen looking at a corner near where the water tanks are located. How she got into that area without anyone seeing her, I do not know. A handful of vehicles were captured on surveillance in the hours surrounding Debony's disappearance, but according to various media outlets, all have been ruled out as having any involvement. On the same day Mario viewed the footage, he told Radio Formula that authorities wouldn't let him read their police files until after Debony was buried. Not after the case was closed, after she was buried. Typically in Mexico, a victim's family can read the files during an open investigation, but in Debony's case, the family wasn't allowed. Mario said that once he read the documents, he realized that the investigation was badly handled. On April 26, Juan, the driver who left Debony on the side of the highway, spoke with a local TV station, Info 7, for an exclusive interview. Juan said that he never assaulted Debony, that he only tried to help her, but she was drunk or something. He said, I asked her friends what she drank that night or if they gave her something else because her words didn't make any sense. Juan said that on the night of April 8th, he drove Debony, Yvonne, and Sarai to a party through Didi. When the ride was over, the girls asked if Juan could pick them up later when they wanted to leave. Juan said yes and gave them his number. Juan said that around 4 a.m., he got a text from Debony's friends asking him to pick them up. He expected to take all three of them home, but in the end, Debony was the only one who got into his car. Yvonne and Sarai left in a different car with other people. Juan told Info7 that as he started driving away from the party, Debony told him that Yvonne and Sarai were bad friends because they left her there. Juan asked Debony for her address, but she didn't give it to him, so he texted Yvonne and Sarai to see if they knew it, but they didn't get back to him. Then, he says, Debony asked him to take her to another party. He did as she asked, but when they arrived, she didn't get out. Luckily, at that moment, Yvonne and Sarai texted Juan back with Debony's address. Juan started driving, but then Debony said she wanted to get out of the car. Juan told Info7, she started slapping me and I told her to get out. So which is it, though? Did she say she wanted to get out of the car or did she start slapping him and then he told her to get out? 
After Debony exited the car, Juan took the picture of her and sent it to her friends. He then went home and told his wife what happened. And obviously she was not super thrilled about that. At least that's what it seems like. Because 10 minutes later, he returned to the highway to see if Debony was still there, but she wasn't. Before his interview was up, Juan made sure to tell the TV station, the authorities reviewed my case and haven't found anything against me. A few hours after Juan's interview aired, Sarai and Yvonne spoke to the local news about their last few hours with Debony, and their stories were all over the place. Sarai said Debony was, quote unquote, acting crazy and she even attacked us at the party at Quinta El Diamante. At some point, Debony got silly and said she wanted to be left alone. Debony told Yvonne and Sarai that her parents were lawyers and she'd give them money if they left her alone. After that, Debony ran to the pool and acted as if she wanted to jump in. Sarai apparently told her to calm down. Then Debony started waving her hands around, telling Sarai to leave her alone. Sarai backed up and Debony started running around again. Sarai said, since she was already out of control, we thought it would be convenient for her to leave the party because she didn't want us to help her, adding she slapped us many times. Sarai and Yvonne said they called Debony's father, but he didn't answer the phone, so they called Juan instead. Sarai also said, some people we don't know tried to take Debony from us because she was too drunk. They were carrying her, and when I noticed, they let her go and she went and hid in the bathroom. After that, she ran away from the party. On April 28th, authorities released a short video taken from a street camera near the party at Quinta al Diamante. This video seems to show a different sequence of events than what Sarai and Yvonne claimed happened. Vice reported that outside of the Quinta, Debony can be seen running away from a man who caught up with her and grabbed her. She then slapped and kicked the man. Then Ivan Sarai and another man ran over and they stood around Debony for a few minutes until a white car driven by Juan showed up. Debony got into the back seat and a man in what appears to be one of Debony's friends talked briefly to Juan before he drove away with her in the car. According to activists and Debony's family, there's a reason why no one's story was matching up with the evidence. Juan and Sarai were blaming Debony for her own death as part of an orchestrated scheme campaign, which was an attempt to reduce public sympathy for Debony. One activist told Vice, these interviews are set up by the government. They want to make us think that women go missing because they're high or drunk. That seems insane, but we already heard the prosecutor blaming the rebellion of young people for why women go missing so frequently. The government does have a reputation for trying to make it seem like things aren't as bad as they are. They want people to believe that women go missing because things they do to themselves, not because men can seemingly do whatever they want to women with zero fucking consequences. Debony's parents continued speaking out against the governor's narrative on what happened to their daughter. In May, a second autopsy was ordered by an independent forensics company. El Paez reported that this autopsy didn't include an examination of the body, but instead the medical examiner analyzed the images and diagnostic tests from the first autopsy. The second autopsy concluded that Debony died a violent homicidal death. Vice reported that this autopsy painted a much different picture than what the government claimed had happened. Debony had several blows to her forehead, both eyes, her nose, both lips, and the upper side of her right ear, all inflicted by a blunt object. No water was found in her lungs, meaning what we already gathered earlier, that she was already dead when she entered the water tank. 
Injuries and bruises to the outer area of Debony's genitals suggested there were traces of a violent sexual relationship. That was a quote, not me. Debony was partially bare-chested as her white shirt had been slipped off of one arm. And remember, her bra was found in a completely separate tank. Following this autopsy, Vallarta Daily reported that the attorney general's office continued to insist that Debony fell into the tank and hit her head, which caused her accidental death. Due to the inconsistencies between the first and second autopsy, a third one was ordered to clarify Debony's cause of death. The third autopsy would be conducted by the head of Mexico City's forensic service. In early July, Debony's body was exhumed. Vallarta Daily reported Mario as saying, It was very painful, but we are certain that the truth will finally come out. In a way, we requested the situation to try to find the truth because I know that Debony would have wanted that way. According to CBS, the third autopsy showed that Debony died of asphyxia by suffocation due to obstruction of her nose and mouth. However, the results didn't specify what blocked them. The medical examiner said there were no signs of sexual violence. Every single autopsy was telling a vastly different story. Following the third autopsy, Debony's body was returned to her final resting place. When her parents pass, they will be buried next to their only child. On August 17th, Mario asked the attorney general to resign, citing his reason as he is incompetent. He does not know how to do his job. The next day, the attorney general's office announced that they would be handing the investigation over to the federal authorities at the request of Debony's parents. Four days later, on August 22nd, a bird hunter found skeletal remains in a bush located in the front of the Nueva Castilla Motel. When officers arrived, they also found a piece of cloth and a belt. There have been no further updates on who the skeletal remains might belong to. It takes a significant amount of time, months to even a year based on the elements, for a body to be reduced to bones. The fact that the motel was searched four times and they not only missed Debony's body, but also a full set of skeletal remains just highlights the complete and utter embarrassment that the investigation into Debony's disappearance and death was, let alone the investigation into the unknown person whose remains were found in proximity to hers. As much as I hate to say this, as of this recording, there are no further updates on Debony's case. No one has been held responsible, and her parents, Mario and Dolores, are still active in their fight for justice. They aren't giving up, and neither is anyone else. For all photos pertaining to Debony's case, check out her highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley, and join me there tonight at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, where you go live with me, and we talk about today's episode and all other true crime cases on your mind. To get access to ad-free and bonus episodes, subscribe to our Apple Premium or head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you love the podcast, feel free to leave a review. And if you have a case you'd like to hear covered, share it with Big Mad True Crime on social media. All cases are covered by listener request. I'll be bringing you a brand new case next week, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. 
We are officially at the end of this episode, and it is time to share a review that made my whole entire day. It is from Sushi Sue, and it is called Wow. It says, I am so glad to have found this. I love the dry, sarcastic, real words and a lack of useless chatter. Give me the story and the facts in an interesting and real way. Thank you. No, Sushi Sue. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to do something just nice for someone else. Honestly, leaving a review is like the nicest thing anyone could ever do. And you're the best. And I thank you so much. I love you. And I will talk to you guys next week. Actually, later this week because we have Thursday episode. Okay, bye.